Robinson on. He's brilliant. And there's goal of the season, Frank Murphy. Juliano Grazioli. Oh, absolute quality. I'm sure most people would say I was mad. Oh, Brilliant second stop from Curry. Not a bad try. And that's a terrific goal. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Downhill Second Half Podcast. Joining me, Ian DL, is a man who will confront any IT issue with the same passion, determination and sheer front as Magno Vieira in a hoodie, giving it to local youths at Gainsborough Trinity away. <laughs> it's our podcast producer, James Harrison. Hello, very good, very good. And alongside him, some here have compared his... his exciting breakthrough onto the podcast scene to the kind of impact that Toby Oshitola had on his Barnet debut from the bench against Morecambe in 2002 is Mr Craig Clayton. He was good. That, he, he started well. I'll take that. It was a great debut. Great debut. Quite well, neat. <laughs> um, but thankfully our, our guest today is a little bit less obscure in Barnet terms um, and he played in both the games I mentioned there so there is a link sort of. <laughs> um, I'm very excited to in- introduce our third ex-Barnet player so far. Simply, Barnett's number one, well, and briefly number 18 as well. Two spells at the club, three times player of the year in a row, which no one else has ever done, and an incredible 360 first-team appearances. A Barnett legend who should have had a much better terrace chant than he did. It's Lee Harrison. No, thanks for having us, gents. Ian, thank you. <laughs> there he goes. It was actually one of your better ones, Ian, actually. I think you've done pretty well there, actually. A lot of practice, a lot of practice. Well, I was nodding my head to a lot of them, going, yep, yep, that's right, that's right, yeah. <laughs> so I suppose on to the main event, starting out, uh, Lee. Before you, so before you joined the club, before you were at Barnet, what did you know about the club and did you ever have any sort of relationship with it before? Yeah, no, I did because um, I grew up at Charlton with Linvoy Primus. I uh, was in my youth team. Uh, and also playing then was Alan Pardew. Um, so I knew both of them really well. Um, and then... The third person that really had the biggest say in me coming to Barnet was Terry Bullivant, um, because he was a youth coach at Fulham when I was there playing. Um, oh. And my contract was running out at Fulham at the time. Um, I hadn't negotiated anything with him, but then uh, Bully had told Ray Clements that I was worth signing because they had a keeper, Mike Taylor, uh, yeah. who figured they might be moving on quite quickly. So, uh, yeah, things things happened quite quickly that summer. And... and Funnily enough, the last game of that season, where I kind of knew I might be coming there, um, Fulham played Barnet in a 3-0 win for Barnet, which just missed him out in the playoffs. <laughs> was destiny at that point then. And so I did, the irony of it was quite was was good. I did I had half an idea I might be coming there. And the last game, I got a bit of a scouting mission in as well. So I wasn't <laughs> displeased they won 3-0. <laughs> Only like that today, eh? And uh, you, you sort of already mentioned Clements as well. Um, for you, I, I, how was, what did that mean to you to, to get, I suppose, to, to, to be part of his team, I guess, and part of his squad? Yeah, and I think people think I sound like Robbie Keane here, where I just say, whoever signs you, I supported him as a boy, and he's my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, like him and Kenny Dalglish were my, were my childhood heroes. Uh, my first game I went to was Tottenham-Liverpool. All my family were Tottenham fans, so being the seven-year-old, eight-year-old kid, I was like, well, I'll be a Liverpool fan then. A Liverpool <laughs> Liverpool lost that day, so it wasn't a glory hunting one. Um, so, yeah, Ray Clements and, and Kenny Dalglish were my hero. So, going in there and having to get over that 
was big. So he kind of had me a little bit anyway with whatever he wanted to offer me. Well, I was going to say, because you've got, you've got Mike Taylor there at the time who went on to be Mike Taylor in some ways, I suppose, wasn't so yeah. much the player we knew now. And Ray Clements, who had been Ray Clements and is now the Barnet manager. For, for you signing, are those two things something that pulls you in or was it, was it circumstances other than that or just a bit of everything? No, because I had I had a couple of other offers which had offered me more money. That's the Barnet way. I think everyone else <laughs> gets gets that. Um, but really, just just wanting to work. Uh, Terry Bullen was a big pull on that for me because I'd, I'd been with him at Fulham. But then meeting Ray and sitting down and chatting him with him a couple of times was was a big pull. And I thought, well, I'm not being funny. What else can I? You know, I'm going to learn a lot here. Um, not knowing that he wouldn't be there that long. <laughs> After that, um, yeah, yeah. but uh, no, just going there for Ray, and, and that was the big pull for me. I suppose without labouring that point too much, um, did you get what you want? I mean, he was there a year, of course, but did you get what you want out of Ray Clemens? Did it did it feel like a springboard? I, I didn't even get a year. I got I got the preseason, um, <laughs> <laughs> which was which was I remember a couple of days before the Cambridge game. Um, I mean, obviously Mike was there, and Mike was muted to be going to two or three different places. And I was actually sat on the bit of grass over the back on the cricket ground where we, we trained on that day for some reason. And Clem sat us down and went, uh, right, uh, just to let you know, uh, I've been offered the England job and I'm leaving and bullies <laughs> take it over. <laughs> and, and just, you can always remember things that are said. Uh, one was Mike Taylor looked at me and went, that's my move off. <laughs> I, went, I went, well, that's my first two place gone. <laughs> and uh, Alan Pardew stood up to, stood up and went, uh, long live the king, the king is dead. <laughs> and that was kind of the end. Of, that was kind of how it all ended. And Clem said his goodbyes and went. So, uh, yeah, the brief stint with Clem was, was just about a pre-season. Okay. Yeah, so obviously you, you got your chance in the team when Mike Taylor left midway through that season, I believe in the Football League trophy against Brentford, I think it was your debut uh, yeah. just after the new year. Um, and you kind of established yourself in the side then. And then obviously the following season, your first full season as number one at the club, we made the playoffs. Um, and obviously it's still talked about to that, this day, some of the controversy in the uh, second leg against Colchester. Um how good was that? Was that first playoff team? We'll talk about the second one as well in a moment. But kind of, how, how good were they? Should should they have done better, or were they overachieving? Uh, it's a tough one. I mean, I think ultimately we overachieved, but then when we got ourselves in that position, probably with about six, seven games to go, and we were one of the teams sort of edging around third and going to make it. Obviously, Notts County became strong and they just ran away with it. But I think we had make or break games at Macclesfield away on a bank holiday where just going there and getting a result would have kept us in it. But we sort of, I mean, I've got theories about it. We were a very, um, just sort of going back to the start of that season, um, John Stiller come in and we were a very regimented, hardworking, fit, because we ran. I mean, we <laughs> he didn't have, there wasn't no goalkeepers stand around and do their bits. <laughs> I ran. I ran as well. And his mantra was, uh, they may be fit, but they won't be fitter than us. And I, I still think, knowing what I know now, I think we ran out of steam. I think we were we were fit and strong, probably going for half to three quarters of a season. And then I just don't think we had the legs left. Um, all the big, big players that other clubs had going into that last little bit. So even going into playoffs and stuff like that became hard. Although, saying that, I thought the, the Colchester game 
we did more than enough to go and win that game. And I think if we'd have gone on that one, we'd have had a good chance. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting you say that about the uh, you know the sort of burnout because we had Darren Curry on uh, last time and he was he was saying similarly like lots of positive things about John Stills' era, but the same thing two years later where we started like a train and we were top of the league for ages, um, and we just you know fell apart in kind of February March time. And he he sort of said that it's possible that it was the same kind of thing that yes you've got a fit energetic side, but that maybe at that level as well it's only going to last for so long before. The bubble burst and, and you know you are just exhausted kind of thing um looking at the two sides in in those two seasons um you know i think if you look at the personnel it was maybe a time where it was shifting a little bit you know in 97 98 you've got like your billy manuals john fords uh sort of let's talk throwback kind of players i think is probably a good way of describing them um and by night by the 99 2000 season you know you brought in darren curry as we mentioned but you know the likes of mark arbor and players like that was there in your eyes, like a real shift in terms of was the quality better that second time round? Yeah, and it's interesting. Obviously, uh, just to sort of throw back to the start, of that I mean, John ruled with a, uh, you know, he just ruled the roost when he first came in. I mean, I played the first game at Rotherham that first playoffs season. Um, we then beat Norwich. Then I remember playing Exeter on the Saturday, and by half time, he more or less sacked half the team. Because <laughs> uh, we were one nil down, and I remember him turning to me and saying, uh, "Enjoy your last half of football under me, because there's another goalkeeper coming Monday." And wow. that was the last time I actually spoke to him for about six months that season. Well, wow. literally, wow. I did. We didn't speak. Um, it was just, I think the game after that we beat Norwich three one. I remember walking off the pitch, and he went to shake my hand, and I just just brushed past him and went, nah, "I'm done. If that's how we're going to be, that's how we're going to be." And it took till sort of the the Christmas time when I remember losing to Scarborough and I, I'd actually played well when he got me in the office and I'll never forget his reaction he banged his head on the desk and he went <laughs> he just went you've been alright <laughs> and he said uh, I just made me mind up early I need to make changes and it wasn't one I had to make so we were good after that but just sort of going back to the two teams um, that first season he made us so organised I mean we felt we could defend 10 corners, have a team pump balls into our box. And we were a big physical side, very direct in the way we played. I mean, I had to hit the sidelines for fun. that <laughs> <laughs> um, Everyone thought I was doing it on purpose. But <laughs> trust me, he used to pick an advertising holding, holding out that I had to try and hit. So they went out for throwing or we just about flicked it on. And yeah. if I kicked it inside, he went berserk. Um, um, so that was the difference. We had big, big, strong players. And then the season after Darren came in, and it was funny, we were kind of the same, but Darren was allowed to stand up on the right on his own. <laughs> so we were 10 plus Darren. Um, and that season was quite funny because Darren, we joked about Darren saying he couldn't play, he wasn't allowed to play outside the M25, uh, meaning at home we could play with him as a luxury so we could defend and just give him the ball. But then when we went away from home, he didn't play because <laughs> we couldn't <laughs> we couldn't have that luxury. So it was evolving. Obviously, then the Mark Arbor came in and, and Arbor was someone different. John Ford would just edit, kick it. Lee Howarth, big, strong, had a great left foot on him. Arbor, when he first came in, thought he could play out of the corner flags with a Cruyff turn. Um, and it didn't bother him. So there was a definite shift in the way we were playing. So I think he, he just tried to bring better footballers in. With with sort of the same tactics, but better footballers. 
Yeah, and and obviously, you know, it, it worked to an extent. I mean, the 99-2000 season, we, we finished a little bit high. We finished sixth rather than seventh. Yeah. And like I said earlier, we were top for so long. Um, we were saying on the last one with Darren Curry that in February, we lost five matches in a row and didn't score. Yeah. I think that's going to put paid to any any promotion chase, really. Um, I, just, I asked the same question last time, but I wonder, when it got to the playoffs, did you was there the belief that it was kind of starting again and it was a, it was a fresh start or had... Have we lost that momentum by that point? Was it kind of uh, a bit gone? We, we were playing a Peter team in the ascendancy. Yeah, and 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 it's funny because we were sort of always stronger than Peter. I felt over the few years we've been stronger than Peterborough. I remember that first playoff season, we were eleven points behind them going into Boxing Day, and I remember the whole one of the best games because the ground was full. We beat them two 0 and we went eight points behind them. And then I think we won again at Swansea and went five points behind them, and then we won again. I think to Exeter and we went to and they lost against Doncaster with a bomb. Within four games we'd gone through them and passed them because we were strong. Peterborough were kind of had they were in the ascendancy when we got them in the playoffs. I think they were probably the worst side we could have got going into that. And I think we kind of needed the draw at least in that first leg. And and bless him. I remember Bash getting knocked over or falling over and they nicking through and because we'd actually come back in that game. Uh, to make it one all, and he was devastated bash at the end of the game because obviously you know things like that uh, you, you just know the consequences of it yeah we were always chasing it and then the worst thing was we conceded straight away at London Road Dave Farrell decided he was going to have his best night <laughs> having, having played with him since he's moody uh, <laughs> doesn't always fancy it and I just when you actually met him I went how did you produce that hat trick <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he killed us early with the, the, the goal in that game because the game was still on but it was tough it was tough but I think was by the end of that season we had Marlon Marlon had a great year that year but kind of Marlon had run his course at the club I was at both those games in the playoffs the, the, both the Peterborough ones both the, the Colchester ones um, as a young kid I guess and um, I just wondered especially the Colchester one did it did it feel special on the other side? And we 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 stand in the stands and we and it's exciting for us and it's a big moment for us. But in particular, that night away at Colchester, but that even oh. that whole kind of period, it was it, it felt immense uh, from the stands. Yeah, and the Colchester one was the Colchester away is probably the most uh, you know frustrated and undeserved in a game I've ever felt because of what happened that night. It, it felt like everything that could have happened or was went against us the sending off um, the fact they scored early in the game to go one or and then we came back and then we had 10 men and we nearly saw it out it was just you just felt that you know and then the, the, the last thing and I'll never forget the referee's name Terry Holbrook <laughs> not giving a penalty and deciding oh, yeah, somehow yeah. he's going to come up with obstruction and I just <laughs> went it, it just, you just felt it, it was a lot against us that night that was up hard as well. So that, yeah. that when Samuels gets taken out. Uh, you've got Paul Wilson on the pitch who doesn't miss penalties. It feels like, oh. you know, and, he, and even when it gets to the end of the game and it's, you know, away goals don't count until after extra time and it feels yeah. like you, you should have done enough at that point. It, um, yeah, I agree. It, 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 nothing seemed to go for us. But I remember everyone walked away feeling very proud. I think the players must have surely felt the same. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think we, we, were dis- yeah, we were gutted because we realised if we'd have got through that, Talking in the final, I'd have fancied us. You know, Colchester, when we beat Colchester in the first leg, I think they were on an unbelievable run. 
to get through to the to the yeah. playoffs. I think they almost just missed promotion. So, you know, when we got them, it was the tough draw, and we beat them one 0 at home in a proper a proper grind. Yeah. Uh, and then second leg, we actually played well. They had a penalty early as well, so they got they got everything they needed. But we come back into it. So yeah, I think there was a big hangover from that for the next season. It took us that next season to really get over that. Because I think typically it was a pretty, we were probably three quarters of the way down the league most of the season that year. It was a tough year, though. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, the second one, the second second playoff one was good because, I mean, the start we had was just unbelievable. Um, But like you say, I always felt we just ran out of steam. I always felt we just, we were tired. We didn't have a big squad. You know, people who play generally had to play most of the games. Yeah, um, and that's not easy. You should be able to play them, but I think the way we played and the way we trained—I mean, it was—it was nonstop. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of high, quite high-energy stuff. As I mean, we were saying before that sometimes the style of football under John Steele was criticised to some extent. But there was a lot of quite high-scoring games that season, and I remember we played a lot of the football out wide. Or, you know, Stockley and Sawyer's getting forward on the on the flanks as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I guess it just takes its toll, doesn't it? If you if it's that intensity every week. Yeah, I mean, that's not an excuse, but I mean, we were pick the ball up as quick as you can, get it back in play. And, uh, you know, sometimes when you play the teams that do keep the ball better and you're pressing and running, you know, it wears you down. And when you do get the ball back, the quality was lacking. I mean, even though those um, seasons ended in disappointment, you, they're sort of looked back on as, you know, they're, they're clearly some of the best, uh, like in terms of physical uh, finishing in the league, the highest that Barnet have finished in the league, obviously, other than when we first went up, when we first promoted in 1992, I think it was, or 93, was it, when we first yeah. went up? Uh, yeah, whichever, you, I'll, I'll get that right in a minute. 93, um, 94, we came bottom of Division 2, that's the highest league. That's the highest we finished, yeah. Unfortunately, I've got the job of bringing it down and talking about the following season after the second playoffs um, and the, the uh, 2000-2001 season. Um, again, which was a season that, Started pretty well um, and then sort of midway through the season or sort of in the first third of the season, um, Tony Cotty becomes sort of player-manager. Um, you weren't in the side at the time, but results quite quickly sort of started going a little bit south. Um, what was it like sort of when that, when firstly when Tony Cotty was appointed and then suddenly the results start to go a little bit uh, sour and um, and things aren't looking so good for us? Yeah, I mean, that was a very, very, the whole thing was strange. Um, I mean, we started the season, I think even around Christmas, we were seventh. We were just outside the playoffs. So we were, you know, after a season where we'd been in the playoffs, we'd actually sort of got ourselves into a reasonable position. Good players. Um, It was really strange. I remember John calling me, Greg Hill and Paul Wilson upstairs and going, uh, right, well, I'm going to step, go upstairs and we're going to bring Tony Cotty in. And uh, he's going to kind of come in and we're going to mould him to be the next manager. And it was like, okay, right, fair enough. Um, but what I found, like, and Tony was a, a, a lovely fella, nice enough fella, very new to management, um, trying to be a player and a manager at that level when you've probably not played at that level is a tough thing. So when you think, I'm not saying we couldn't have done it, but when we've gone from taking free kicks from everywhere in our own half and putting it 
put it in the air, playing off second ball. <laughs> All of a sudden, in, within one week on a Friday, we were playing one touch, five sides. <laughs> and, and we did, no offence, we didn't have the players to play one touch, five sides. Uh, you know, barring Manchester City now, probably Liverpool, no one has, <laughs> has got. And I think all of a sudden you had a shift in what one person wanted and what another person was still doing. And the changeover was too quick. So Tony then was, was obviously, well, I want to do it this way. And then, so he was then leaving people out, but then people who were being left out, and I won't name people, were then going to John Steele because he was the man upstairs going, well, I'm not happy without being here. I mean, like probably Scotty was, Scott McLeish was the main one. Um, not, not, you know, with nothing against yeah, Scott, yeah. the right thing. He was being left out. His career. And I remember him going and going, well, I want to go then. And so all of a sudden now, for the first time, although John ran it, you know, with an iron fist, everyone knew where they stood. You know, if you had a problem, you went and saw him. Well, all of a sudden now, if you had a problem, people were bypassing the manager and going and seeing the man upstairs. So you just had groups starting to open up on the, you know, within the team. Um and, and then Tony started like a house on fire. Probably the worst thing you can ever do is score a hat-trick on your debut. <laughs> um, win 7-0 because there's probably nowhere else to go. And I remember then we played Kidderminster. I want to say it was Kidderminster away we played in the game. And might have been 1-1 or 1-0 down at half-time. And he hadn't played well himself. And he found it really difficult at half-time to start digging other people out when... He probably hadn't played well himself. So it just become, I thought he just became messy that season, really messy. And the problem was then when Tony had had enough um, and didn't want to know, and then John came back, it all became a bit too late. We were in such a slide um, and players wanted to go. Um, I think even Darren was one. He'd had enough by then and wanted to go. And I think he left in the summer of that that season anyway. Sam Stockley was another one. You know, there was just players there that just didn't want to be there anymore. And that's a, I'm, I'm not saying they didn't care. They did care about the club. But then when people's, you know, feelings and things like that are all apart, it just became really difficult. Well, Chris, because we were, you know, we were seventh uh, when Cotty took over, like you said, and then gradually we sort of slid down the table. We were never that close to the relegation zone until, you know, the very back end of the season. But the way you described it there, it almost seems like there was a sense of not the writing being on the wall, but it felt like, you know, we're in a lot of danger here. Did did it sort of ever feel like that within the squad or was it, was it just something that caught everyone off guard a little bit? I think it caught everyone off guard. I mean, generally I can, I have a really good memory and I can remember pretty much most games and what happened and stuff like that. For that second part of the season, I couldn't tell you who we played, where we played and what we did because I just think it became, it just became, it just became a mess, the place. And I don't think anyone really knew how to deal with it. Um, I think they wanted to give Tony a go at doing it. Tony had brought Steve Wicks in and I think Steve had just stood on the sideline going, what's going on? It was like everyone was just looking at each other by then. And, and the togetherness we'd had and, and whether John... John was really clever, and I always maintain he had a way about him of being really against the group that actually made the group stronger. Um, just from things like we'd do a running session in the morning, and if someone slipped over, he'd assume they had the wrong footwear on. 
So he went, right, stop, that'll do. That person let you down at the weekend, so you can all go in. We'll do it all again at two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> and he just walked off. And what had happened is all the lads would go, ah, oh, like, but they moan about him. But yeah. they'd be together as a group. So I, and I think he was quite cute in what he was doing. I think Tony just didn't, which is not a wrong thing. It's just he didn't know how to deal with the group. I remember him coming into training one morning and, and saying, lads, um, I have to say that result on Saturday was all my fault. I got it all wrong. And I was thinking, don't say that. <laughs> don't say that. You might think it. We all go back and say, I could have done that better. But I think when you turn to a group of players who have been in the playoffs the year before and go, I'm getting it all wrong, they then stop believing in the manager. But the relationships between the players, because um, yeah, the last time we heard that there was quite a good team spirit that year before, you know, that there was quite a lot, a lot of socialising and going out on Saturday after the games and stuff. Did Definitely. that fragment a bit in the following season as well? Because again, we had quite a lot of ins and outs, like quite a few big characters, McLeish, Charlery had left, yeah. short-term players coming in uh, uh, towards the end especially. Did that have kind of a knock-on effect on the relationships in within the squad? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It all became a lot more fractious. People going off and, and doing their own thing. Um, like I said, people, you know, people not thinking, well, I'm getting out of here anyway. One thing about we'll get relegated, they were thinking, well, that's me done. I'm, I'm getting out of here now. Um, and boy, Darren would say he was one of those anyway. And not, you know, not undeserved because he, he was good enough. He was good enough to go. Um, but it just became everyone for themselves then. Yeah. Um, and that was difficult for me because I've been there a few years and gradually the ones that I'd been with had gone. And now I was mm. left with only me and Paul Wilson probably were the ones left from those early days, from I'd say early days, from three or four years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we, we found it probably tough because I used to travel in with Wilson. Because I was going to say as well, obviously, with, it was that was quite a tough season for you in the sense of being in and out of the team as well, which was something you hadn't really experienced. It since you'd come in for Mike Taylor, that had been it really for three and a half years yeah. previous, and then obviously you're a bit in and out at times. Danny Naisbitt was preferred, yeah. um, and I, I wondered on the whole as well with Danny Naisbitt, it was quite unusual that you'd had two goalkeepers, first and second choice, at one club at that level for three or four years or however long it was. Um, what was the relationship like between you? Did you get on or was there that kind of rivalry like we hear about goalkeeping? No, I still speak to Nezzy now. Good, a good lad. Um, probably didn't take his football seriously enough, but I think he'll tell you that. Um, went on and done really well after football doing other things, but always a bit of the joker, clown, very talented boy. And if he'd have just took it seriously, he probably would have got me a bit earlier. <laughs> but, um, I remember uh, but he, he, he came in and John being John, I think I got injured the, the play, actually the second playoff season and I missed the yeah, games, yeah. I think at York at home or something like that. Um, and we went to Swansea away when we were still top and I was fit again. And on the Friday, John was upstairs with the team and he went right with Swansea tomorrow. Um, they're second, I think, and we're top. Well, it might have been vice versa. And he went, uh, just to let you know, Nezzy, Lee's playing tomorrow because he's better than you. <laughs> and and I was like, oh, don't say that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I remember that was the game that Darren did his bit of skill. Yeah, yeah cool. Uh, we won the game 2-1. I saved the Steve Watkins penalty. And on the Monday, we came back in and John was made up with a result. And he went, lads, great performance. That's how to go to a top team and win a game. And he went, Danny, I told you he was better than you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, but Nezzy took it well. And and Nezzy that season got in. But as I said, the results then became... 
it became messy because I think John wanted to go with the younger one and give him a go. And uh, then Tony went with it, but then Tony wanted me back in the team after five or six losses. Um, then John came back in and said, well, I want to give Nezzy another go. And then it came to that last week of the season and I think John went on the Friday. I mean, there was a lot that went on that last Friday. We had the PFA awards, just to sum up where we probably were as a team. The PFA awards had been on the Sunday and probably four of our five of our squad on the first two days of that week were missing. Um, had gone out and just gone out um, and were nowhere to be seen the Monday, Tuesday. So that, that week was a mess um, and it was tough for people to, to get on with it, but we kind of had to get on with it. And by the Friday, John had gone, I'm going to put you in and play you. So I was ready. I thought, well, you know what? I care. So let's do this. And, and to be fair, not why I didn't have one belief that we would get relegated that day. I was confident. I was confident. I remember the day, remember the warm up, I remember the crowds trying to get in. I remember warming up up the top end and the wind coming straight down the hill. And they won the toss and changed it round. And I thought, fair enough, they're going to have a go for us. Um, and all I kept thinking is, because we had to win the game. They, they could draw it, but we had to win it. All I think thought was, just kill the first half. If nil-nil at half-time, downhill second half, there you go. I'll put that in for the gents. But seriously, I, you, I thought, get to nil-nil half-time will be great. You know, we've seen off them and then we have a go for them. Um, but no, it didn't last long for me. Yeah. Um, I, uh, uh, unfortunately, it's my job to talk about that day. I, I guess it's... Um, <laughs> yeah, go for I, it. I guess there was, there was a bit of... I mean, you've described that clearly there was a bit of... Um, I suppose chaos in the lead up to that to that game in the week, and obviously the the whole footballing world, or certainly the country, was um, very much focused on Underhill that day. There was a lot of a yeah. uh, lot of media around, and clearly the ground was full with a couple of hours to go and all that sort of stuff. Did you find that yourself or the players were a little bit caught up by the occasion at all, or um, or was it just just in the circumstances of it? It was just another game, or. I sort of go. I go back to we had, we had to win the game, and I think in my mind we didn't have to win the game in the first half. I think we like just looking back at the game and knowing what people felt beforehand. I think we thought we had to go out there regardless and try and take the game in the first ten minutes and get ourselves ahead and and do it that way. And I think that was there was a lot of built up. Come on, let's just go after and let's just get it. But changing those ends around, I think, changed the dynamics of it. And then, you know, like no, we we, like I said, I came off, and, and that's not a reason we won or lost. I don't know. You, you can never answer that one. Um, Darren missed a penalty at a crucial time. Just things conspired against us, and I don't think we handled the day. We didn't handle the day well. It's quite like the Colchester <laughs> game in some regards, in the sense that yeah, everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong obviously you going off after two minutes and I think they must have scored quite quickly after that well, it, it was honestly it was the most it was the well I hate the day um, <laughs> uh, probably like yourselves um, I remember going for the ball over the top of Effie and Williams and got there first punched it wide and as I landed I just he just nudged into me so I then came down awkwardly and I ruptured um, my ankle ligaments one of them ruptured it completely so I could move back towards the goal and I was like I can't, it's just loose. And and John that came on and went, look, I think you've ruptured one, you're done. And I was like, I, I remember getting taken through to the 
to the physio room and I was devastated. I, I've only cried once at a game. Colchester was close. <laughs> um, but no, this one I did because all that energy had gone and I was devastated. And then a few minutes later, you hear the cheer for the first goal. Um, and then worst thing still, I think, I can't remember who it was, one of their lads got injured and carried off. Um, and I remember the tiny one physio room at Barnet, they brought him into our room, put him <laughs> on the bed next to me. And I thought, is someone winding me up here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then the next cheer goes in, he goes, get in like that. And I'm like, seriously, you might have I to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, just, and then I came out, watched the second half, and it was just, uh, obviously, like, uh, as I said, Barnet is, is my club. Um, I'd only been there sort of four years then, but everything we sort of built up, and I know how hard it is to get back into the league. You think, how has he got to this? And, and, and we've been relegated. Um, so, no, and I, I was absolutely devastated that day. Like, like all Barnet fans, but as I said, seriously, I, I cried that day before the end of the game because of uh, what it meant, what that meant. Well, moving on from that miserable experience, uh, let's try and light, let's try and light, let's try let's try and lighten the mood a little bit. Um, we re- we actually managed to retain quite a bit of the squad for the following season. Obviously, when we were in the conference, and um, yeah, uh, we obviously, like you said, Curry moved on and Stockley moved on, but we actually kept like the core of the squad. What was the feeling sort of going into that following season? Was there a sense that you know we could? we could go back up straight away or is it, is this going to be a struggle? Was there any point where you realised actually maybe this isn't going to be as easy as we thought it was or, or, or what? I think it was a lot of the unknown. I mean, I spent that summer just trying to get fit. I mean, I I was in with the physio until the last week and then I remember going to Hereford away and it went on Sky. So you obviously knew why we were on Sky. We were the newbies coming out, coming out and going on there. And I think that was the, probably to kick up the backside we needed. We got beat 2-1. We uh, we went, I went, did we go two down early? We were two down and came back 2-1. Yeah. Uh, I remember them missing a penalty and then I remember we had a, we made a good fist of it after that but we lost the game 2-1 and then I want to say that the second game, I don't know, we, we, we really struggled for that first bit of the season. You know, we weren't great and I think then John, did John pack up around? It was February time. I was, I yeah, think, moved around we, February time. We we, yeah. were, we were no great shakes. Well, because in, in December, I think we kind of went about third, just before Christmas. So we kind of got it together. Yeah. We put a few results together. We actually yeah. beat Hereford at home in the return. We did, you're right. I remember we played really well that day and you kind of thought, oh, maybe, you know, well, I think yeah. it was, that was the year I think Yeovil ran away with it. But we were, they were still within sight roughly. And then yeah. like, it was unlikely, and obviously that was a year before the playoffs came in. Um, and then, yeah, obviously still goes late February after that disastrous game against Farnborough. Um, and in come Shreves and Allen. And yeah. the, the final run into that season... Yeah, no, right, what, well, it was like, I think it was, something, it was something ridiculous. I think we lost two games. Yeah, I think it was eight wins and 11 or something along the lines it of that. It was something silly, and we beat Yeovil away, Doncaster at home. We, Matt well, Dagenham. I think, and it would have been the one time when the playoffs had come in, we'd have finished. And we would have, for once, we'd have been the team with ascendancy going <laughs> to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was, I mean, Peter, Peter Shrees and, and mine, Alan, were chalk and cheese, but brilliant. <laughs> really, honestly, it's the most fun I probably had um, for half a season because 
Peter had a way of making you feel a million dollars. But Martin had this, I mean, it was the wacky ways of just some little clever things that he used to do and tactics and, you know, the, the black arts of football <laughs> that he had. And, and Peter was just made people like Austin Barkley feel like a million dollars. And so he didn't say anything tactically. He just called him. He just had a nickname for everybody. You know, it was like Lee Flynn was called the Wand. <laughs> and you go, why is Lee Flynn, why is he called the Wand? He went, oh, because I've got a great left foot. So Lee Flynn must have a great left foot. <laughs> and uh, Austin Barkley was the Maverick. And you'd look at him and go, he'd go, Maverick. He just gets on the ball. He does what he wants, but he's going to create everything for us. And it was just, he was like that. And everyone believed in it. And then Martin would do, you know, Peter would just let Martin get on with like the corners and the, we'll block them and we'll do that to them. <laughs> so between the pair of them, it, it really it, it really did work. They were good. Yeah. Yeah. They were really we played, good. We played some really sort of free-flowing stuff. I remember in that yeah. running that season, I remember we won uh, 3-1 down at Woking. We were about yeah. two and a half to five minutes. Uh, Wayne Purse scored that little dink of a penalty near the end. Yeah. And we were playing with so much confidence and a bit of swagger all of a sudden, yeah. um, which the, the players, I think, at that level kind of merited. So, you know, you're going into the following season, 2002-03, and I know as a supporter, there was a real kind of like confidence that, right, you know, fifth last season, but we probably would have gone up there playoffs. We're going to kick on. We're going to do it. We've got a good management team in place. I think um, Paul Wilson was also brought back in as a coach. Yeah, Paul, Paul was in as a coach. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, so, and so it kind of, it, it, looked, it looked really good. But that time it really did kind of fall apart very early. And we'd even arguably strengthen. We had a go-go in as well, obviously. And Yeah. And, and I think, I just remember that, that season and I think, Peter and, and the chairman fell out pretty quickly that season. And it became obvious that Peter didn't really believe in what Tony was doing. And uh, I can remember one where um, we had Steve, we had Scarborough on the Saturday away and Stevenage on the Monday. Yes. And Peter, yeah, right. Peter, Peter knew that Stevenage was a huge game. Um, so Peter had been to see the chairman earlier in the week and said, look, we need an overnight to Scarborough because we're going to travel back from Scarborough. We can't go on the day there and back to Scarborough, come back, train Sunday, and then play Stevenage on a Monday night in a derby game. And Tony was adamant, no, no, you go on the day. And and I know that really hurt Peter, and he, he just he just was calling the chairman all sorts of things. <laughs> um, and I remember Peter, to be fair, he had the players like that. He, he got on a Thursday and he went, right, this is what's happening, he said. And he got his credit card out and he paid for 12 hotel rooms himself for wow. us to go overnight. And the players just went like that. And it kind of, that I think we went to Scarborough and drew one all and then we went and beat Stevenage on yeah, the Yeah, we got four points in those two away games. So. Yeah, it, I remember. That, was that the Strev's overhead kick? That yeah, yeah we've got him up tomorrow. I'm looking forward to talking about that with him. Yeah, and they got a penalty, I think, near the end to make it 2-1. But it was a great night. Yeah, because yeah. it was the first sort of, you know, it was a proper derby and we, we went there and did it. So it was good. Um, but I think from then on, Peter and the chairman really didn't see eye to eye. And that's kind of where I then, I didn't last much longer at the club. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to come on to that. Obviously, it's, yeah, not not the nicest memory. Obviously, the last league game for us was the Gravesend midweek one, which I feel like that was a real low point for the club all round. Like yeah, we were poor. There. We got spanked by a part-time team. 4-1, I think. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, after that game, was there, you know, a big falling out? Was it, did, were you kind of, you blamed for anything and is that where it went or was it just that we're going to go in a different direction now, Lee? No, no, it was really funny. No, it wasn't a different direction. Um, really strange. I got on with Peter Shreve really, really well. Um, and we'd spoke and spoke and spoke and he just went, I'm going to leave you out. He said, and I'm going to get rid of you. I went, okay. And he went, I'll tell you why I'm going to get rid of you. He said, I want to leave you in the team. He said, but you've you've become stagnated here and you should be playing at a level above or the one. He said, so I'm going to leave you out the team and you're going to Peterborough alone. <laughs> I went, okay, fair enough. He said, but this is going to take a few weeks to do. Um, so I was left out, left out the team. While I was left out the team, um, I went and played a game for Barry Fry over at Dagenham on a Tuesday, <laughs> Tuesday, Tuesday evening, just a, a friendly, because uh, Baz wanted to speak to me. He said, but why you come? Just come and play. <laughs> we played. We won 7-0. I must have touched the ball about four times. <laughs> come off the pitch. And I went, well, you're not going to get a lot out of that, Baz. And he went, I've got everything I need. He went, anyone that turns up and can win 7-0, I'm signing them. <laughs> yeah, lucky job. <laughs> Um, and that was it we'd done the deal and he said look I can't do it because I want to do you for three months if I do it too early it's not going to get me through to March where I need to get to because I'd like to sign you permanently then when the window opens so hence I came back and was sat on the bench but going on loan to Peterborough Well, how did that that feel for you because like you've described Barnet as your club did you sort of look at that and go well do I get a do I get a say in this I I might want to stay um yeah, I, I didn't really get a say in it. It was like, you're doing this because he'd already been to see the chairman and say, and said, I'm going to play him and I want him out. But he didn't really want me out. He, Peter had said, I'm not going to be here much longer. Right. I think he decided he's not, not going to be here much longer. Um, and I'm not sure, did he get to the end of the season? Or I don't think March. he did. March. Yeah, he didn't get to the end of the season. So I kind of spoke to him when I was due to go, because I went to Peter and I had a great, I had a really good loan. It went, it went great. Twelve games, and I think we were second bottom. But by the time we left, it was great. And Barry Fry went, "It's great. I want to sign you. I can't do it till the summer." So I spoke to Peter, and Peter went, "Well, I'm going. So you're going to have to come back here." <laughs> um, but I didn't actually go back. I went straight on loan then to to Orient. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Orient knew what Peterborough were doing, and they basically offered some money to to Barnet. So that was Tony going, "Yep, that'll do for me." Um, and they put a two and a half year deal on the table. So I never really got to say to come back there at all. All the deals were done and I was kind of moved out of the way and uh, I could have put my foot down and said, no, I'm not doing that. But it was really hard to tell at that time what direction the club were going in. Yeah, because I was going to say, like, did it did it hurt, if you like, not to get the opportunity to say goodbye? It's literally just come back to me now that your, yeah, last, I didn't. your last game of that spell, I've remembered it, it wasn't Gravesend. I don't know if you'll remember this. We played Potter's Bar Town away in the half senior. I played two 0 We lost. And, I think. Yeah, I remember you walking off the pitch while I, I just one of those things. Sort of, I can remember Stuart Niven arguing with some of our fans. Yeah. Uh, it was it was just horrible. That yeah, it was it was a really dark little spell at the club. Generally, like it was so divided. The fans were on the players' back. Um, it was it was just horrible. So I suppose in one respect, at least you were getting out of it then. But did it? Did it hurt that, you know, after a couple of really good years previously and always being so popular with the fans as well, um, that this was the way that it was over? I think it was the first time I'd been there and 
for me, it was a throw. Barnet is a throwback, and I, I think that's probably where it's now been lost. Now, if you like, it was always, you know what? We could get beat four one at home, and me and Wills could wander down to the Durham suite, and you'd all be in there, and you could have a beer, and people would go, "I don't think you were very good today," and you go, "No, I don't feel I was very good today." But you'd have a beer, and it was done. It was done, and it was like. It was our club. It wasn't just mine. It was yours there. So the fans, even if it's only two and a half thousand, it was everyone sort of converged on that one. I mean, the player of the year dudes weren't player of the year dudes. They were just, let's not <laughs> go in the Durham suite and we'll announce some things during a drink up. <laughs> but, but everyone was in there together. Yeah. Um, and I think that year after the players, I think it was the first year that people had come from other clubs and they weren't there that long and it wasn't their club. They thought, well, I'm, I should be a conference player, you know, but for me, and I tried to instill that probably more in the second time I came, for me, it meant something to be a Barnet player. And and I probably needed that how I was the second time, that first time, just pull a few people into line a little bit more, you know, and go, hold on a minute. If you come in here, this is what it means to do this. This is what we do. But I don't think that, you know, it changed a lot then that last year. Well, I was going to, I was going to ask you about that because you, you, you went off, you, you had the Peterborough time and the Orient time and from everything that, you know, all, by all accounts, both went pretty well actually for you and they're, they're both good things. Yeah. You, you come back to Barnet um, a few years later, I imagine a different club um, in a different situation with a new manager again. How did that, how was that for you? Um it was it was a challenge I was really looking forward to. Um, I spoke to Paul a couple of times that summer because I'd been to Peterborough and, well, if that, that was a mess the second time. Um, <laughs> but it was good for TV. Um, it was good for TV. Um, but no, I, was, I was glad to be coming back. I knew, uh, even though I'd left all those years, I was still there for the Carlisle game to see the, the winning game. I came to watch Plymouth in the Cup when they won. Any cool. chance I got, I still came along. I was a Barnet fan. Um, and funnily enough, Ian Hendon, I grew up with Ian. Um, God, we were in Essex schools from like under 12s. So we were together all the way through that, played against each other, South East Counties, come across each other all the time. Ian was on loan at Peterborough at the same time I was on loan at Peterborough. And that hadn't worked out for him. And then he'd gone to Barnet. So... I just knew a lot of people. I knew Gratz, so I knew a lot of people. Um, so coming in there, I thought, no, this is good for me. He explained it. Look, we've got Ross Flitney in there. We think a lot of him. We really need someone to... I don't know what was happening with Gary Phillips because Gary was obviously the goalkeeper coach at the time. I don't know whether he left to go do something different. But Paul went, look, we're going to go down the route. I want a younger one in the team and I want an older one who's got a voice, who's going to say what they want, because I think he'd come to watch me in the Orient games and gone, blimey, he can talk to young players and, and that's why I want to bring him in. So I'd come in knowing that I was going to be the number two. I had no issues with that. Um, no problems coming in and, and that would be my role. So, no, I was really looking forward to it. It was sort of the next step for me, becoming a coach and but still being a player. Was it we obviously you came two thousand six seven so we'd obviously had a season in the league where we'd stayed up on the last day. Yeah. Was there? Well, clearly there would have been a different feeling around the club because obviously we'd had two seasons. Um, the season after you left and the season after uh, season after that where we 
made the playoffs and then won the league, was there still that sense of sort of a bit more positivity around the club from when you left? Um, I don't know. It was it was a lot different the club in the way that I don't you know the senior players had been there and come through that. So Ian, Gratz, um, people like that had they were the ones that I was the first year, if you like, you know, and, and then adding me and Hess was a great one to have in there. I think I think what happened that year, the right senior players were all in the right areas to help the young players. And what I mean by that was Ian played with Jason punching in front of him sometimes and Ian being Ian, like he's never going to shirk telling people what he thinks. So he could control punch. He could let punch go and do what he wanted to do, but he could also go, oi, get yourself in here for 10 minutes, you're doing this. Hess was the same with Nicky Bailey. Nicky Bailey, hell of a talented player, but could be a loose cannon sometimes, in a good way. Could go here, there and try and get the ball everywhere, but Hess would go. Uh, even Paul Warhurst um, was one that come in and play centre-half along Simon King and just be that old head there. We had young players with ability, but next to him everywhere on the pitch, Gratz up front. Um, and if he played with Trezor, Trezor, talented boy, just another one off the cuff. You didn't know where it was going to be. But it worked. It, it just worked. And I never thought going in there we'd be in any danger. And generally, we were we were okay most seasons. Yeah, I mean, that, that first season we were we were unremarkable, if you like. I think we finished about 15th, but actually yeah. relative to where Barnet have been yeah, really. That that was that was quite a respectable finish. Yeah. And obviously, you said you came in a second choice, but I was looking at the stats of the season. Yeah, it's you played. Um, you, played uh, you came in and played. I think I can't remember how many games it was, but the first two months, let's say, you pretty much were in all the league games. Um, it was really bizarre. Yeah, because um, the the first game was Arsenal, um, and Paul had gone to me. Look, it's your first game back here, so I'll do you the courtesy. You can play first half, and I went. No, thanks, Paul. Brilliant. So I played the first half and I remember finishing, going brilliant, sat on the bench, boots off, sit and watch the second half. I can't remember how long it was, but then Ross was going like, no, my back's gone. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, right, boots back on, back on. And, and it, lo and behold, he, he fractured a disc in his back. Um, I can't even remember if we had another goalkeeper then. I'm not sure we did. We had, we had a series of a lot of young lads from the ProTech Academy. You That's the, the one. It was like yeah. different name every week. We didn't know. It was... I just remember being on my own. So yeah. coming, coming in and being a coach to Ross, it was kind of like, you're on your own and you're taking yourself. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was relied, I was relied upon then to, to get us through that first bit. Um, and then Ross came back in later on during the season, sort of the FA Cup run. I think he came back in for the Plymouth game and had a bit of a run. And then I think he picked up another knock and I came back in for the rest of the season. Um and I can't. I, th I think Paul had decided then that he needed to look again for another one. Yeah. Um, I just think Ross had then. I think Ross had, had a tough time the first season with probably Steve Percy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Among others. Um, Valentine's uh, Day, wasn't it? And, and the thing with Ross, Ross was quite. He couldn't leave it. I think his way is to turn around and argue with someone, and. You know, look, you're going to get it. That's what happens. People have a go at you and you just go, okay. Um, but I think Ross then had got that in his head that the fans weren't, didn't really like him, um, which is probably the wrong way to look at it. Look, sometimes you hear one, no matter how good you are or, or how well you play, there's always someone who doesn't like how you play. Yeah. 
and you just have to get over that. Um, but I think Ross had Ross found that hard, and I think Paul had decided then that he wasn't going to have that battle to to make Ross love it here, and decided to move on. Um, and I think Rob Beckwith came in the next season. Yeah, he was the next one. And just uh, before we go on to that next season, sorry, I want to ask, um, Paul Fairclough obviously brought you into the club, and the two previous yeah. seasons to that, he'd had no assistant manager. He'd kind of done it all by himself, and you were brought in on the coaching staff. Was was he still very kind of not not to say one track minded, but was it very much his way? And and did he still do things very much independently, or, or did you? Uh, feel- yeah, um, John. I'm trying to. Is it John? I'm trying to think the the, the assistant's name. John. He passed away sadly, so I, I'm doing him a disservice. But he kind of came in part time to help. Um, but Paul tried to do it. Paul wanted to do it all on his own. But what he had was Hess. Um, Myself and Ian, you know, Paul Warris was part time coming in now, and Gratz, and we but we had the Monday morning meetings. We'd be very vocal and what we thought was right, wrong, and stuff like that. So Paul would let us do those things, and I remember some of the meetings on a Monday going on for about an hour and a half. And we'd come in, me Hess and, uh, and Ian used to come in a car together, and we go, these meetings are going on too long. Can you not? Can you try and not say something this time? And <laughs> You start saying something, then I have to say something. So, um, like I said, I think the senior players he brought in, Paul, were, were good for him. Were, were good for him to let him do that. And then they kind of managed it out on the pitch for him. Yeah. Yeah, we had Gratz on the other week saying that Ian Hendon in the dressing room was massive for just kind of, if someone stepped out of line, Paul yeah. wouldn't have to do that because you've got a figurehead there who, like you said, yeah. punch and you're going to listen to Ian Hendon. I'd be a brave man not to, I think. So Yeah, I think Paul Paul, Paul found it hard. I mean, just in like dealing with people like Nicky Bailey. Nicky was a hothead and I remember in some sessions, Paul would go, come on, Nick, you know, and and you go, just do one or something like that in a way and just get off me and and Hess would be the one to go, oi, come here. Or Hendo would go, oi, you don't do that. So, we kind of had the, the right enforcers and the young players would respect them because they know out on the pitch, you know, that they would be looked after by us. You know, we, we, you'd tell them what for and stuff like that if you got it wrong, but they know, you know, Ian, if someone crunched punch, Ian's going to go and, <laughs> Ian's going to go with the enforcer and sort the person out who's just done that. So they knew that a lot of these people had their back. Uh, so like I said, it just worked. It worked. It worked really well. But he was ageing as well. That was the hard thing. Um, so 2007-8, uh, the following season, we actually had a, a decent squad. You got some names in there who, who've gone on to you know, better things in the game. You had people like um, Jason Punchin, Albert Adoma. Uh, and we finished actually in a, in a decent place that year. We finished 12th, I believe. Yeah. Um, do you feel like that sort of squad could have could have perhaps performed a little bit better maybe? Or, or was, it, was there something there that just wasn't right and... That didn't didn't uh, quite gel as it should have done. No, I think I think we we'd become that club that when players did well they were moving on quite quickly, um, and players then that knew they were doing well started losing a little bit. And I think even Punch was in and out. And I remember going to a game at Barry where he just lost his head in the end and booted someone <laughs> and got sent off. Um, so we had players then that had sort of served what they thought they needed to do at Barnet and then deserved to move on quickly, which is fine. I think it's now the modern game. Yeah, I think that's yeah. it's it changed. People were a lot more loyal back the first time I was there, and you had a team together for two, three years. But it's almost then that 
players would play for a season and have half a good season and then went, right, well, I'm good enough now, I'm gone. So I thought it became difficult and then we started losing the senior players. Um, I think Hess was pretty much done and gone after my first year there. Uh, I think Hendo was then going in and out. Um, you know, Paul Warros wasn't there anymore. So it became a lot younger of a side. I think King had gone that year. Yeah, I was, I was thinking then. Yeah, was King had that, gone as well. That pre-season, but before that 07 or 08 season, we lost Simon King, Nicky yeah. Bailey, Dean Sinclair, yeah. Hessenthaler was kind of comes to the end. Hendo, I think, only played once or twice more the next yeah. season. So it was almost like a totally new yeah, new team. and there, there were some good young players. You know, we had Josh Wright on loan. I think that Josh, he was brilliant. Josh, Josh then we was brought, good. brought Albert in as well halfway through. Yeah, um, I, I just you know we're big fans. I think of Albert, all three of us from oh. his time at the club. How, was it obvious the moment he walked through the door that he you know where where's he been all this time? Why is he not higher up already? Well, Albert, and I know this story for Albert was supposed to sign for Dagenham, um, and the deal was done. Um, but Dagenham allowed him to play in the FA Cup, I think, against for Haraborough. Yeah. So they said, well, that's fine. We'll sign your contract for Monday, uh, but we'll leave it in the draw. Um, and basically, we put an offer in on the Sunday so for a little bit more money. And Albert went, well, I'm going there. And I think still he went, well, if you want to go there, and tore the contract up and he came. And I think he played his first game, then Hereford away. And I might be right. Um, and Hereford were flying at the time, but we actually went there and won 2 1. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, and Albert played and he was on fire. I don't know, did, he might have scored as well that night. He scored, he his, did, he yeah. scored on his debut, yeah. yeah. So um, I think from that moment, we knew we had a player on our hands and he could run. <laughs> pre season were never the same. Um, so Albert was running on his own, um, but Albert could run. Um, and he probably had a little bit less ability than Punch because Punch had the feet and could move the ball and had delivery, but Albert could take people on and run past people and excite people. You know, no offence, you don't come, hopefully you don't come there to watch your keeper make too many saves. You come there to watch, <laughs> you come there to watch Jason Punch and twist up a defender. You come there to watch Albert Doma run from the halfway line, take someone on score. I come there to watch that. I <laughs> sit there and do nothing and watch them do that. Um, so, Albert coming in, yeah, we knew. It, it was like, yep, yeah, there's a player here. That's why he's come in. So Paul done wonders. You know, how he'd seen him and got him and, and done it. He was another one through. So it's sort, of, it's sort of skipping about a bit, but obviously you had punching from your first season there. Albert came yeah. in the second, and then you had Yannick as well came in after that. And, yeah. and obviously all three of them, it's been great to see how they've progressed and gone on to play at different levels. And actually, arguably, Belassi's gone the furthest in terms of playing for the likes of Everton. Yeah. Out of the three of them, from your viewpoint on the training ground and whatever else, who who was the most... I know you said Punch was clearly really talented. Who do you think maybe would go the furthest in the game? Because I think Yannick was a bit of a surprise to us that he did as well as he did. Well, the Yannick, Yannick um, was a funny one. We got him... We knew an agent uh, who said, look, we've got a lad. It's really gone wrong for him in Malta and Plymouth. He's homesick. Would you just have a look at him? Uh, we were in the car, me and Ian coming in. We said, yeah, yeah, send him in. And I remember it was a Monday and we did a five-a-side, like a small-sided game. And Ian was sat on the other side and I sat there. And after about five minutes, we went, geez, we've got to sign him. <laughs> got to sign him. And it, it wasn't just he could jump, he could take people on. Yeah, he was erratic in some of the things he did. But people would kick him. And I don't remember him getting injured. 
he'd kick him, he'd get knocked, knocked down, he'd just get up again. So as a as a person that could handle the rough and toughness and not lose his head, Yannick was was a dream. He just played with a smile on his face. Um, if you could have told me the three who I thought was the best one and who could win you a game, Jason Punching all day long. Um, just because Jason with a ball at his feet, 25 yards out, could deliver. And and if you can do that at this, you could do it at Premier League level. Because um, he didn't need the pace to do it. You know, as you go up the levels, they get quicker anyway. So that it becomes harder. But Jason could manoeuvre football and I lost count of the techniques. He scored goals around the edge of the box. Hartley Port home, uh, Bradford, Bradford, Colchester in the FA Cup. When he had someone faced up, and I think I remember seeing Ian saying something somewhere, when you had him in training, you knew you had him there, but you knew you couldn't stop him. You knew what he was going to do. And, and so Jason, for me, was the most talented the most talented out of the three. And then from a from a personal perspective in that season, um, you obviously talked about sort of loyalty and players moving around a little bit. But early on in that season, obviously you brought up your 300, 300th appearance for the club against Rochdale. And I remember yeah. the North Terrace with that huge banner with your your squad photo on it and the th- big 300 there. How did, that, how did that feel for you from a personal level? Because I remember... You know, with you uh, all the way through, there was always that sort of rapport that you had with the supporters and the relationship you had with, with, with Barnet supporters across the way. So how did that day feel for you? Obviously, keeping a clean sheet as well. Yeah, no, listen, I, it was it was a fantastic day for me, but probably for everyone else, Rochdale at home doesn't sort of like, <laughs> you look through the fixtures and go, good, we've got Rochdale at home. So <laughs> if you you know, uh, for me, it was a big day. Keeping a clean sheet was was huge for me. Because um, I think actually up front from that day was Glenn Murray and Adam Lafondra. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't a bad front two. You know, Rochdale were 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 decent at that time. So, you know, the, the game probably not a lot in it, and probably people can't remember much that that happened that day. But a huge day for me. I knew um, I'd be lying if I was kind of. I think Reckless was the one we were trying to guess when the three hundred was because I think. Steve Percy was going through it and going, we weren't sure if it was this one, that one. And, um, you know, but a big honour for me. I knew only five people had done it before or four and I was a fifth. Um, but huge, huge. Because I, uh, it's, it, for me, it was always about playing games. And the game's changed now and it's a lot about how much you can earn and I get it. Um, but for me, it's, it's doing things, you know, that I can look back on now and go, no, I was really proud that day. It didn't matter to me that there were 2,000 or people in there. It it was playing for my club and getting to that milestone. So it was huge. I Something I'd, I'd never, ever change. Great. Okay. So, yeah, obviously, so we've gone into the 2007-8 season. And then you have one more playing season at the club after that. And then another one, uh, which we'll come on to a bit, on the sidelines with Ian Hendon. Um, at this point, we're going to indulge a bit in our, in our own personal memories. So the two moments... <laughs> in your final two playing seasons, which really stand out for us. And uh, I want to talk first of all about Burton Albion away in the FA Cup. Okay, yeah. Um, which, it, it was a proper cup tie, as I recall it. Maybe it's a bit of a rose-tinted look back all these years on, but proper, like, you know, freezing cold. They're doing quite well, the league below, so there's a bit of a chance yeah. upset. Uh, we scored early, Liam Hatch, I think, down the other end. Um, and the second half, they're really coming on strong. I don't know if they've equalised already or if it came afterwards, I, can't remember no, that. it was before. You're going to say about the penalty. I'm going to say about the penalty. That, 
that penalty was probably one of my that's my favorite ever penalty save moment in a ground because I ended up about five steps down the terrace <laughs> where I had been, and I mean, my face just pressed against the concrete. It was absolute chaos. I don't know why it was so big. I suppose the FA Cup second round, but as much as anything, I wanted to thank you for that brilliant moment. It was, nice. <laughs> it, was but, a, um, it was a great game. It was a proper. It's how the FA Cup should be. Um, we were going to a club. I think they were they were National League or Conference then, but they they were a club that were going through the leagues. Like and and chances are they could probably take a league club. Um, and we were, they looked at us and went, this is the one we could do. And I just remember the great, you know, they don't, they're not a big, you know, massively supported club, but they fill the ground, brand new little stadium. Um, and yeah, it was just a, it was a proper cup tie. It was, a, you know, we did, we went, was it Hatchew scored? Yeah. Hatchew scored. Um, and the penalty came first half and I remember the lad, he hit it really well. And I guess right, but I actually held it as well. And my first instance was Kenny Kenny Gillet actually grabbing me on the head going, you caught it as well, you caught it as well. Um, and I think we just hung on that game. Yeah, no, and then we beat him in the replay. I don't know, I just, maybe that was one of them. I think we were all just quite excitable in the away. And I remember our friend had said that if we scored today, he's going on the pitch and Hatch scored down the other <laughs> And he ran on the pitch after seven minutes and spent the rest of the time outside the ground waiting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, a memorable day in more ways than one. It was great. I think once we once we once we got through that game, I think we thought, right, we get him at home, we're all right now. It was just getting through that game that day. They equalised. I think they had quite a bit of pressure, but once we saw it off, it was we won one nil in a pretty mundane cup replay, which we were always comfortable in. Um, I think Adam Birchall scored in that one. I might be wrong. You'll tell me that one. So, well, if, I could, offer, if I could offer another cult moment, I have to say, yeah. uh, Rotherham away, I forget the season, I have to say, but the old oh, Athletic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're up in the corner. There's there's what feels like loads, but it's probably about 50 odd Barnet fans up there. Um, and uh, for, for, some un, for some reason, I can still don't understand why Max Porter, without you in the goal, decides it's his job to diving save. No, he uh, found someone. He found no, someone. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you out here, Craig. The way now. I remember it. <laughs> uh, it. It was, there's something about playing in athletic stadiums that I just don't like. Yeah. Um, and you turn up there and you look around that stadium and you go, oh my God, everyone is about 100 yards away. It's, but the with team was another one. Yeah. You could have 7,000 people in there and there might as well be no one. So <laughs> you go there and it was... It's on an athletics track and you're looking at it, you're going, I oh, just, you're, you're up for the game, but you're just like, this just isn't right. You know, it might be different in playing in Rome, you know, with all the Italian, but, but this is Rotherham and there's not many people here. And like you say, you were stuck, we came out, you were stuck right up in the corner. It. So it was just one of those games I was like, this is just, this isn't football, this isn't, this isn't <laughs> going to be great. Get on with it. Um, and they went one nil up with a header. And then I remember they broke through on goal and the lad went round me and he's just about to slot it in from six yards and Max Porter comes from behind him and takes him out clean and he's sent off. Um, and once that moment happened, it's just the whole thing sort of sprung into life because they felt really aggrieved that he'd done it. It all sort of sparked off at the penalty and I'd actually seen the lad, I think it was Mark, it might have been namesake, Harrison, Mark Harrison took it um, or Mark Hudson, one of the two, but... I remember saving it and it just kind of, whatever happened after that was just surreal. Um, Because lo and behold, I think, 
Uh, Luke Medley went and scored. Yeah. Yeah. Albert Doma scored from the most ridiculous angle yeah. ever for about 25 yards. And all of a sudden, we were 2-1 up. And we've come in at half-time and I'm thinking, we should be losing this 2-0. Now we've got 10 men and we're 2-1 up. And I'm thinking, somehow we've just got to hang on and this is going to be tough. And all I remember going is, is thinking at half-time, every time I get the ball, all I've got to do is kick it as high as I can, as <laughs> as I can because that's going to waste... 10 seconds every time it goes up. And I think I've kicked it as high as I can yet. And I think the two centre-halves ran into each other. And I can't remember Luke Medley in my squad. And then... Uh, Big Cliff, on it? Then Big Cliff has dribbled. (laughs) And and, and all I can like is is like the part of the waves. It was like everyone just moved. And I'm not sure he even meant that finish, by the way. It looked like he just over-controlled it. it He was very confused. And all of a sudden, we were 4-1 up. And I think they got one back. Then they got a penalty. And it was just, I think even still, I pulled off three or four saves to the end. And it was surreal because I think, and I've got to tell this story really carefully here. (laughs) Um, I used to travel in with Ian. um, And I think Paul thought this was his last game. Paul really thought this was his last game. And I think Ian thought, this is Paul's last game, I might have a chance of getting the job. Now, no one ever said that, or but we won the game. <laughs> and, and as I came off, I played really well. And Ian just looked at me, and I think Ian gave me a scowl. It was almost like, <laughs> you might have just cost me the job. <laughs> um, and when we got back in the change room, Paul made the players give me a round of applause, which was a lovely thing to do. Um, but honestly, the most surreal game for how it all panned out. Because if you had turned up there at the start, I was like, this it is... Was, it was, that was amazing that day. It was Because uh, that was when I was living in Nottingham at uni at the time and both of the other two were up visiting me for a weekend. We sort of planned the yeah. weekend around the football. And uh, there's a couple of others as well. And we woke up on the Saturday morning. And I think that season we'd only won once so far where Grimsby. Yeah. We, we'd been awful. And I yeah, think we, we had been... We'd been drinking the Friday and I think we were a bit like, shout, and two of us very nearly didn't come. I very nearly thought, ah, oh, no, was, like, sack it off. And uh, I've never been more glad that I stuck it out. It was, it was brilliant. Oh. That feeling at the end of you lot all on the athletics track applauding us and stuff was um, fantastic. Such yeah, a good I track. love athletics tracks now. It's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I know, honestly, you're right, though. Great I know, guy. Ian, you, you used to um, sort of, for 4-4-2, you'd be the Barnet sort of rep that would would uh, give the feedback. And I remember a year where they asked for the greatest ever Barnet goal and you, a little bit tongue-in-cheek, voted for the, uh, or put forward the Cliff Accurang dribble. Um, yeah. <laughs> you got a little bit of hate mail after that, I think, from People Barnet. were a bit disappointed, but yeah, it was, it was in print. 442 published it, Barnet's greatest ever goal, Cliff Accurang at <laughs> Rotherham. It's there. It's just, it is, it's just one of those moments where if he meant it all, it's brilliant. <laughs> because yeah. he's gone round about five people. But it just... From where I was looking at that day, it was almost like he just ran straight. <laughs> I've watched it back. He looks—he looks very embarrassed. Uh, pretty much yeah. from the moment he gets past the goalkeeper to the moment we kick, kick off, or they kick off again after it was all very awkward. But uh, oh, brilliant from the stands. We were—it was. Oh, I wasn't knocking it. Trust me. One. <laughs> so the season after with Hendon, um, <laughs> were you coming? <laughs> were you were you coming as assistant? Um, how did that? How did that happen for you? It, well. I, the season before, um, Ian, Ian took over the job and 
Um, just to lead into that, because it's sort of a, a backstory. I think Ian got the job just after Paul left in December or around Boxing Day. Bournemouth yeah, away. Bournemouth away was his last game. He, he was going, to. and then Ian came in and took over. And I remember Ian. He found it tough. I think we sort of drew a few games or didn't win games. It didn't didn't weren't we weren't bad, but we didn't win or we drew or. Um, I think his first game was Berry away on an ice rink, which should never would never have been on. It was probably one of the poorest games, but we lost one 0 And I kind of sort of fell into just being insistent because there was no one else there. And I remember after sort of five five games, we were coming in in the car, and then we were playing Bradford at home. And on the Thursday, we drove and we picked a coffee up, and he went, "What do you think about the side Saturday?" And we were going through it and this that, and the other, and he went. Uh, you missed one out. He said, you forgot you're playing. <laughs> and I went, am I? And he went, yeah, he said, like, if this is the last game I've got in the job and I've got to win one, you're going to play. And I went, oh, thanks for that. No pressure. <laughs> and I think it was the game Yannick came. Yannick had a blinder. Albert was good. We won 4-1. Um, and kind of, we did okay after that. I, I think I came out again injured still, but we, we'd won a few games. Um, we beat Bournemouth to stay up. Yeah. Uh, 1-0. And uh, two famous things about that. We had a beer with Eddie Howe after the game because Bournemouth still needed to win. And Eddie Howe was in there like desolate going, I'm gutted, I wish I was in your two boys' job. And we were going, <laughs> not being funny, I think you might have the better job here going forward. <laughs> um, and he, he did. And I remember Tony coming in and going, that is that is the best result ever. That's just won me £7 million. <laughs> I think that one that got him the financing to get the hive being in the football league still and getting that going forward. So two, two big things. We came to the end of the season and I mean, Ian spoke about like, this is how we're going to do things. Um, and then he phoned me and he said, uh, I've just been in with the chair and I've got a bit of a problem. And I went, go on. And he went, you're going to be assistant, but you're not going to be assistant. And I went, okay. He went, well, Tony needs to get Gary Breen to sign. But the only way he could get him to sign is if he makes him the assistant manager as well. He said, but that's not going to change anything. And I said, look, I'm fine with it. I know where I am. I don't need a title to worry about what's going on or what's happening. And if it needs that to get Gary over the line, then, you know, we need him playing. So do what you have to do. So that kind of, that kind of happened with that. I think the hard thing then for that was that Gary felt that he was the assistant and he didn't really need to play. Um, so it became uh, it became difficult for Ian then trying to get Gary to get on the pitch um, and then Ian didn't lost a few injuries and stuff like that um, but we started like a house on fire yeah. you know we, we started really well um, we were going to ask because obviously we were top of the league after five games that brilliant night in Northampton yeah uh, where Friday night yeah so exciting I remember you know when the third goal, John O'Flynn threw one on one. Like as soon as he got the ball, you know it's going in yeah. when you're behind the goal. And it was, yeah, you know, it felt like right, something quite special could happen here. And yeah, we sort of stayed in and around it what until maybe October, and then the decline was massive that year. Um, you know, and I suppose that the question is why did we fall apart so spectacularly? Because you look at the individuals in the team again, and there's a lot of good players in there. And so a couple of things on that, and you're right. We had um, we'd almost got other young players in there, and they'd sort of gone on a high from the start of the season and done really well. We also had Albert, and there was a lot of talk of him moving. And I think Bristol City were trying to sign him before Christmas, 
Um, and I remember Tony asking us what we thought, and we said, sell him now. And it wasn't because we wanted to get rid of him, but we got a sense from Albert that, a bit like some of the others, we got a sense from what had happened before that they were ready to go. And subconsciously, Albert knew he was going at the end of the season anyway. And um, not that he didn't try or anything like that. It's it's then tough to get something out of someone. And Albert, we had to sort of manage Albert through it. Um, John O'Flynn was another one the same. Shrewsbury had bid for him in the season. And we were saying, fine, move him on. We'll get the next ones in and we'll just recycle. Because what tends to happen, and it does, is players then not don't want to be there. They see the move and they think, oh, I just want to go. And I think if players want to go nowadays, you just it, it's tough to manage. It's tough to manage. So we had Albert in that position, John O'Flynn, who was great, great finish, great scorer. But he had bids coming in for him. And I said, like, Shrewsbury put the bid on the table for, I can't remember what it was, but it was three figures. And we were like, he's off at the end of the season anyway, so just, just do the business. We can make the club all right here. Um, but it, that didn't happen. We couldn't get Gary out on the pitch. And I think it just became difficult. Too many injuries and we were playing fullback in every position across the back four by the end and we just lacked we lacked that experience out there we were down to really just Paul Furlong I was going to ask about him how big was he like in and around you know you mentioned about Hessenthaler and that he looked like that kind of figure huge brilliant great signing for us first he was that presence up front since we lost Hatchie um, Ian done a great job with Ian uh, with the chairman was on about just releasing uh, Liam at the end of the season before we actually sold him and Ian just got hold of Liam and just said, just be a centre forward. Stop trying to dribble the ball around the halfway line. Just go be a pest stand on his area. We'll put deliveries in. And it made him look, you know, a million dollars, actually. I think he then went scoring goals everywhere. Um, we sold him to Peterborough. Um, first then came in and became that one. And what he was good, good at first, he was the one in the change room then that kind of looks after the young lads. The one that Ian and myself now weren't in there to do that. Um, but going back to it, I think having inexperienced players out there losing players for injury and having players that were wanted to be out of the club became difficult um, and I also think for Ian and, and like Ian probably might not say it but I can um, Ian probably found it hard with Paul still being at the club a bit like I said with Tony being there with because yeah. you have Paul still looking over everything and maybe saying to Jim, well, I, maybe I wouldn't do it that way or I don't know. I'm just saying it's, I think Darren had that with John. Yeah. Um, I know Wayne Burnett had that with John at Dagenham. It was like, it's tough until that person gets out of the way to make it your own club. And not so rightly or wrongly, it's unless you choose that person to be above you and look after it, I think it's a, a difficult, a director of football one has always been a, a difficult one for me, especially at, at these levels. Yeah. And I'm not saying either of them were wrong in that or right. I think it's just, it became a difficult situation. And I think, I think Ian would have been all right. I think Ian would have still have been all right if he'd have got through that season. Yeah. I don't think, uh, I think he had a good grasp on what needed to happen at the end of that season. I think his ideas were right to try and move people on and get the money in and then grow it again and the good list. So, you know, it's a tough one because the chairman makes a call on it thinking I've got to do something. Um, Ian was adamant we would have got out of it look we did get out of it well, who's right and who's wrong doesn't matter now it's, it's done yeah, um, yeah. but I think Ian would have made a good fist of it 
Yeah, because it was a late call. We lost to Accrington, I remember, with three games. Accrington on a Tuesday night in a rearranged game. Um, yeah. And then we had that. Whole, did you leave with in Edinburgh? Yeah, I left. I left. So you, weren't, you weren't there for the end of that. Yeah, we, we both said, like, that's fine, no problem. Um, but Paul was adamant that we weren't to come back into the club. Um, we said, look, we just want to come. We'll, we'll come in and wish the lads good luck on the Thursday. And he went, no, don't want that. Just, which is fine. It's not that. I didn't have an issue of seeing, seeing Paul since. And he's written lovely words about me in the testimony. So it wasn't a, you know, we weren't going in there to go, well, we don't think we should have gone. We'd have just gone in there because generally you want the club to stay up. I don't want a club to, to be relegated. Um, and like I say, I, I believe that Ian would have been okay. I think we'd have made it through um, and it needed a steady grow. And I still think Barnet now, I think Darren's the right person, but I think this club needs to grow with a person who's got an idea of what the club's about. I suppose you, uh, after that, you leave you, your, I don't know if it would have been your next uh, visit to Underhill, but certainly you were there at the end of Underhill um, on the other that. side and uh, a big day for us, big day for you, I guess, as well. What was it like from the, I suppose, the dugout, but the other side? Well, it was a huge. I mean, look, I wouldn't lie. When you see the fixtures come out, you look for it. And I knew it was the last season at Barney. You think, you can't write the script for this. This is brilliant. It's the last It's the last game at Barney now. It was a particularly difficult year for myself anyway, because um, my middle child had been diagnosed with cancer that summer. Uh, so we'd been in Great Ormond Street for probably most of the year. So the club were brilliant. They then, he, he got, he was in remission for sort of March onwards and he was going to be the mascot for that game. So he actually was the mascot for the last game at Underhill. Um, bigger game then, I guess, for you. Bigger point. game. The, the best story I could tell you, and this is the truth. Um, Matt Ingram was playing a goal and I was on the bench. Um, so I'd been on the bench. That's how we did it there because the club didn't have a youth team, no money. So Gareth Ains was on the bench. I was on the bench. So from January onwards, every Friday, the, the players would go and do their warm-up and do an activation. I'd stand on the penalty spot at Wickham's training ground and I'd go, I've got to score at Underhill on the last <laughs> day of the season. If we get a penalty, you've got to put me on. And then I'd, I'd chip my penalty into the corner and I'd go, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Gareth Ains would look at me and go, okay. He said, like, if we get a penalty in the last game at Underhill, you could take a penalty. So I did this every Friday till the end of the season. And uh, I remember the game. It was brilliant. The, the game was delayed. Um, it was great for me. I hadn't really thought about a penalty thing, to be honest, that day. Because um, it was always a bit tongue-in-cheek. And the game went and Barnet played really well. They played really, really well that day. And I think Matty, the keeper, Wickham actually played well as well. And then yeah, they got game. the goal. Got the goal and, and sort of out of nowhere we got the penalty because I think the game was kind of done. It was just whether whether Barnett were actually going to score or not. And they got the goal. The place went wild. I wasn't too disappointed. I was like, okay, it's good. And then the penalty gets given. <laughs> and I turned around, looked at Gary Razor, and he went, no, we can't. <laughs> we can't. <laughs> we can't. <laughs> he went, we'll get lynched. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you're not wrong. That's not how I can score. You can't come on and be the one. I can't come on and be the one to score a penalty down the bottom end and it be the one that relegate Barnet. 
I like to think you, know that you would have just turned around and booted it into the North Terrace or something like that. Just yeah, turned around and booted it in the wrong direction. The old if, I chipped it down, if I had chipped it down the middle and stacky dove the wrong way, it'd have been chaos. But uh, do <laughs> you know what? I, I don't know whether it'd have been that amusing at the time, but I guess looking back, it would have, there'd have been something right about Lee Harrison being the last goal scorer at Barnet. I think. Uh, you know, that that was, was the whole player was just. I just kept saying it just as a tongue in cheek and. As I said, you can speak to Richard Dobson, the assistant at Wickham, who saw every Friday laugh going, are you still doing that penalty for that last day of the season? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it's going to happen. If I get one, I'm going to come on and take it. Um, but no, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And obviously gutted a week later when, for the fans to celebrate that so wildly, and then we played Port Vale that last week, and then to find out the Northampton game didn't go right was was disappointing. You know, you know like I said, uh, I was going for the Barnet fans because, like I said, I'm, I know time's got to move on and we need new grounds and things like that, but Barnet is underhill. And I'm not sure that's where I'm not sure though the club have got it yet back. I think you Say that again, mate, sorry. Have you been down to the Hive? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I've been been back there, watched games there. Um, look, it's a lovely facility and I, I think Tony was obviously always going to move in there. Um, being in the conference bizarrely helped him because he couldn't build a stadium in the football league there. So when he got it in there and then went up with it, it and it's great. But where we haven't got a big fan base, uh, going to Barnet is is going to the you know to the pubs around there and walking down High Street, getting on the tube. So you're going to lose a lot of people, you know. And how they get that back is going to be a tough one. It is a oh. tough one. You, you know, you're great. You guys are there. But getting the young fans in there was always playing Arsenal at home and those Arsenal fans became Barnet fans because they were all mixed. And um, like I said, I think, you know, I'm not saying for myself, Darren Darren having that affinity is a good thing. I think getting other people, Gary Phillips, people like that back involved, not necessarily on the staff and stuff like that, but just hosting match days and getting things like that where the fans, the fans have a, great knowledge of history about the place and you can't lose that there should be something when you turn up there I mean you had Gratz's bar and then Gratz's bar disappears yeah. um, it's just it's too commercial over the high for me I know he's got to run it as a business but it needs to be about Barnet Football Club to be fair I think you've probably got three guys here that would agree with everything that you've just said um, as much you know parking the hive to one side and, and maybe it's yeah. part of what, what our era was but Barnet and Underhill went together. Uh, it was yeah. part of the idea of the club as much as uh, the badges and as much as traditionally playing an amber is as well. More, yeah. Maybe more so than the, maybe the, the orange year we got as we went on. But um, <laughs> it, it certainly, uh, it, you know, when, when the way you talk about it feels uh, very much, you know, what we see as the identity of it. And uh, I, there's different ways you could carve up your, your, your Barnet career. But maybe loosely, if we said there was the, if you like, the Clements Mallory Bullivan era, then there was the John Steele era, and then you come back, Paul Fairclough, and you being there as a coach and player and, 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 and yeah. that. If we split it into those three, is there any one of those bits that you kind of feel really, you know, sums up your time there, or you feel you look back on more fondly than others, or is it all kind of merging to one? No, I've enjoyed all three of them. I'm, I'm glad I got to come back. Uh, that's the first thing. Like you said, I left the first time without saying goodbye to people. The next time I sort of came back through the doors was a supporter to come watch those games. I never lost that to go and watch games and, you know, came back for the Carlisle game, the Plymouth game. Every time I got a chance, I did it. 
Um, so to come back and do that was was big for me. It didn't, you know, Paul being the manager wasn't the pull on me. It was coming back to, to the club. And if I was going to finish anywhere, it was going to be there. You know, I know I went and played a year doing this, but I think that was just in my makeup. I had to go, carry, <laughs> go and do something. But, um, you know, for me, coming back and playing there was special. So none of them, what, that's not my favourite moment. That's not, they're all, all three, all three parts of that were, were great for me. You know, I wouldn't change them for the world. And are there guys in there that you've played with now that are, you know, big friends of yours or is it it's football, football and, and personal's personal? Or? No, I think I'll always, you know, Ian on and off will always speak and, I, you know, we go off and it, you know, it comes around and stuff like that. Um, Jason, I see Jason sometimes every now and again and if I'm at a game, you, the respect that he still has, he'll jog, I mean, I went to watch Palace play, he actually jogged out in the middle of the warm-up to come and see me. You know, and, and I saw Yannick at an airport once and he jumped on my back <laughs> and he was at a Premier League club. So they haven't forgot those times. And I think that's the best thing. I think those senior players, the right senior players, you know, Ian, Ian will have played for Sheffield Wednesday and Spurs, but I think he'll remember his Barnet days as, you know, the most popular days, you know, and playing in League One and stuff like that for Peterborough against big clubs and stuff like that. But, my Barney games are the ones I'll always look look back on, you know, the the best days. And there's, there was something about Underhill being full. You know, it might only be four and a half, five thousand in there, but there was something about five thousand people being in there um, and playing those games that were special. So, you know, those cup nights were the, were the best, were the best, you know, in each era. We had them in every era. Underhill under the lights is, uh, even was something very, very special. Oh, I just, you know, those games, Norwich, I know you had the Man City ones, the ones that were earlier than me, but Norwich home coming back, um, yeah. that Colchester night in the Cup, you know, Swindon again in the Cup, um, you know, they just, they just go on, you know, they just happen and they were great, you know, great, great nights. You know, even like North, mm-hmm. Northampton in a Cup game where we were 1-0 down and we turned it around and scored four in the second half. Oh, yeah, Birch was maybe That was brilliant. That was, yeah. And I'll never forget the Northampton fans, when it went 3-1, I could hear some woman going, come on, Northampton, they've dragged you down to their level. And I'm thinking, <laughs> we're 3-1 up here. <laughs> what kind of level? We... I thought we played well. <laughs> uh, just just great. I love it when, when things like that happen, they turn up there and everyone thinks they should roll over little old Barnet, but it doesn't happen. I, th- I think the, the fondness with which you've spoken about the club is sort of, for me, certainly, I think, I don't want to speak for the other two, but it's certainly brought back a lot of really good memories of really good times at the club and sort of the nights under the lights and all that sort of thing. And Underhill being full was, you know, really brings back some great memories. And of course, from for your perspective, you know, I don't remember anybody ever saying, a, having a bad word to say about you from a fan's perspective. And of course, you know, in that time, we got your... We got your testimonial, of course, we, you, where you played against, um, where we played against Tottenham in a in a friendly, and it, of course it was your testimonial. Um, what do you remember about that day? Is it like a, is that a fond recollection for you? Obviously, you got a bit of a chance to sort of give your thanks to everybody. I know, I, think, I remember you played sort of about half an hour, didn't you? Yeah, I think it was less than that. I think about fifteen minutes. I think I'd already just I'd spoke to Gratz, and we we arranged to do the game. We'd got Spurs, so Lloyd Sanchez was great. Really happy to play the game. And I'd agreed I'd start the game and, and come off quite early because I was, although it, it was my testimonial, I was still thinking, no, this is preparation for Barnet. 
Um, so it wasn't all about me, you know. And uh, it, I just remember, it's great. Once I made a save from Harry Kane, I wanted to come off. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to get any better than this. But one of my boys was set behind the goal, and we we'd gone two and up early as well. And I thought, so I just that'll do. <laughs> um, time, time to get off. So. No, great day. It's nice to come back there and, and finish that way. So I, I couldn't have written it any better. And and it was good. I know it wasn't a, at the time it wasn't a good Spurs side, but actually when you look at it, a lot of those players went on and and played, you know, just so you know, it, was, it was a good day. Yeah. No, well, look, Lee, you know, thank you for all the time you've given us this evening uh, to talk back all these memories. I think the three of us have been smiling throughout it your recollections and kind of the memories you've given us and reminded us of perhaps as well. Um, I'm going to give a belated thanks as well for uh, this that I'm holding up here. Yeah. Now, <laughs> oh, brilliant. Which your match worn shirt, which is uh, signed to me. And uh, that was the player of the year awards or the drinking brilliant. session, whatever you want to call it, uh, uh, the 2009 one. James and I were both students at the time and we were basically bidding with our student loan against <laughs> each other. And I just about outbid him with money I didn't have. But um, I remember you being particularly reasonable about signing it and spending some time chatting to me, even though I'd uh, been enjoying the Durham Street that evening. So thank you for that as well. <laughs> note. Um, but yeah, look, thank Sorry, you, James. <laughs> but yeah, no, thank you look, for the memories playing for Barnet, 360 games um, and for giving us a great podcast this evening. I'm sure lots of people enjoy listening to it as much as we've enjoyed recording it. No, it's been a pleasure. And obviously, it's been great for me to sort of go back other times. And as I said, I wouldn't change it. I know we had the relegation and stuff like that, but I wouldn't change any of it for the world now. You know, it was great times and, you know, I look back on it fondly. So it's really nice catching up with you guys too. Most people would say I was mad. Oh, Ray, I can't it. Lovely stuff from Curry, not a bad 